Welcome to the third season of That's So Second Millennium, the Catholic science podcast where we explore the fascinating borderlands between science and theology through realms of philosophy, human experience, and more. Welcome back to That's So Second Millennium, the election 2020 edition. Yes, Bill and I do start out by talking about the election. Uh, we actually, of course, we you know we we, we take in some uh, perspectives of politics that uh, range from debt uh, to an economy to the job market um, and the question of information. We talk a lot about the question of information and uh, being in your own isolated bubble or not being able to trust media. Uh, obviously, we talked to Bill about that. Uh, we also talk a lot about the uh, the question of tradition and the question of modern society trying to destroy tradition. Um, it's not a new phenomenon, but uh, perhaps it's accelerating. It's it's rather uh, disturbing. And at the end, uh, we we talk about the Pope's new encyclical for a little bit. We will hopefully do that more in a future episode. Uh, but Bill gets us started with the question of, in terms of you know facing all these questions of isolation and division, uh, what is the Pope trying to do? What can we hope to do in terms of uh, brotherhood? So this is a psychological and political science episode. Uh, but in the question of tradition, we have to talk about science and the method of science itself. So uh, yeah, uh, it, uh, obviously by that description, you can see that it takes a number of turns. But uh, yeah, I uh, I think you may you you will still enjoy it and. Uh, Stay safe, and uh, blessings to all of you, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. The election and the, everything about it is so confusing to me that uh, uh, it's um, it, it really is uh, so complex, and it's re- so revelatory, and maybe that's the kind of thing that we could talk about uh, uh, from my perspective. Uh, you know, uh, what have we learned, or what are we learning, and how much does it scare us? <laughs> Right. Right. Yeah, that's the question is, I mean, to me, I'm, you know, I'm sitting here with, you know, many other things on my mind besides, you know, trying to go down all the rabbit holes. Like, how could I, what can I look up on the Internet to, you know, to judge the truth or falsity of, you know, this blizzard of stuff. Right. That's, you know, spinning around, you know, accusations about Trump doing this, that and the other thing. People, you know, and people on the on the other side saying, oh, no, Biden is, you know, Biden is a super criminal and he's been he's, you know, grafted himself to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars off of his positions of influence and whatnot. Right. And I don't know what to believe about any of it. I mean, I just don't. Right. No. Um, and that is, Yeah. What a position to be in. And that we're we're among the 330 million Americans who are in that position. Right. Yeah, uh, the number of people who actually have firsthand knowledge or could, you know, go down the street and knock on somebody's door or, or have somebody's digits in their cell phone and like, you know, is this is this on the up and up? Did any of this actually happen? Um, right. That, that would be that's a very small number of people. And and all of, you know, uh, all of the solid. This is a really meta and maybe even just more um, emotive than um, than philosophically insightful. But it just seems to me that uh, um, a lot of a lot of the things, small and big, that we kind of took for granted as um, uh, solid and factual and constant, uh, you know, they are being kind of uh, withdrawn, or at least uh, questions are being uh, raised about them. And uh, I'm going to 
insert in parentheses here, that reminds me of uh, you know, somebody recently pointed out that uh, uh, the first incidence of fake news was in the um, was in the uh, Garden of Eden, right? When, uh, right? <laughs> when, uh, when the yeah. serpent said, uh, "God, uh, God's just afraid that uh, that uh, you'll uh, be you'll become gods yourselves." Right. Uh, yeah, and the so liar it, uh, and the was, father of lies. Yes. Right. He was planting seeds of <clears> doubt, <throat> and that's uh, and it's it's everywhere. Um, Including like uh, you know there is really no election day anymore because fifty oh, yeah. million Ameri- yeah. fifty million Americans have already voted and so people are saying okay. well you know yeah anything or everything is either more or less legitimate uh, because uh, because there is no particular election day we're not sure whether we're going to know who's president. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I I have to admit, I voted on Monday. I didn't know what my life was yeah, going to like the first week of November, and I just went ahead and got it done. So I think that's very smart, and I'm going to do that uh, this coming week uh, because they're they're allowing voting in the uh, county city building. Okay. Yeah, and apparently it's going very smoothly, so I'm going to do that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so everything from that to uh, yeah, is Biden uh, the sweetest grandfather you'd ever want to have, or? Uh, or, or creepy Uncle Joe, or corrupt Uncle Joe, or who knows? Exactly. Which of these stories is how much truth yeah. each of those stories has. Yeah, and so that that's one thing that I think it it must it must do psychological damage. And while I don't I don't think that uh, you know uh, such things as this uh, laptop computer are plants inserted by. Uh, uh, the, the Russians um, uh, to uh, to uh, kick off one uh, politician or another. Uh, there probably is a lot of truth in the whole idea of psychological warfare. Oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, whether it's done by a by a foreign country or by by individuals or by uh, cabals of various sort, um, I can imagine a lot of Americans just being very very confused and uh, ill at ease and. And all of that, uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I um, I don't like it. It's not a way a, a great democracy and a, a world leading country can afford to operate uh, for very long. And then, of course, let overlay that uh, with uh, with COVID and yeah, yeah, and uh, and the weak economy and yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the bizarre spectacle of our, our economy, our political economy. Um, hopefully, we'll have the chance to talk to Aida about that next week. Uh, at least some That's of those great. issues. So yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, who? So so now, so we're faced with, you know, the levels of debt that we haven't seen since the Second World War. Except, right. unlike the Second World War, we've been working on this since the seventies. <laughs> right. And um, well, you know, there's no prospect of it ever being paid down. I mean, nope. How did that ever happen? I mean, I, right. I can't imagine in my lifetime that has never happened. We made some half-hearted attempts at having budget surpluses in the 90s, and that's it. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, uh, it was really the 2008 economic uh, collapse uh, really did away with any discussion of curing the, the debt and deficit problem because yeah. suddenly we knew then that uh, you know massive, uh, massive Band-Aids had to be applied immediately and probably – Long term, yeah, and I think yeah, uh, little little band aids were able to be applied for years, 
And then um, with uh, COVID, the Band-Aids had to become quite uh, quite huge and, and finally uh, noticeable by all, including the media. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, 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 someone, someone finally noted, hey, look. We're we're breaking the final the final barrier of you know we've literally never seen this level of debt. Yes, um, and uh, yeah, and you're right. There's no there's no prospect for it uh, uh, being paid. Partly because all the other countries have followed us into that quagmire, um, yeah. and uh, so no one has money. Um, uh, of course, uh, one thing that uh, that this could lead to, and I guess maybe that's one one aspect of our conversation that could be uh, uh, fruitful. Um, you know, uh, what what could this lead to that might be uh, fruitful? Um, I, I'd like to uh, hear more discussions about the the jubilee concept, mm. where mm. Um, we realize that uh, you know we have uh, indebted everybody. Uh, for the sake of growing bigger and more powerful and more uh, uh, proud and greedy and haughty and rich. And uh, uh, at some point, um, we have to do what the, the Israelis, the, the, uh, the, uh, the people of uh, God, the, the Jewish people uh, back in the Old Testament did, right? Uh, yeah. Wasn't there yeah. a jubilee year every 50 years? Yeah, yeah, every 50 yeah. years. It'd be seven weeks of years, and then at the jubilee year, um, land was supposed to revert to a given family. Yeah. And and to what degree that ever was played out in practice, uh, I don't, I, I, I mean, real, realistically, we can't possibly have the historical or archaeological evidence to say that for certain. That's I don't, a good question, yeah. I don't know uh I, I don't know what the, what the state of the art there is. I'd be fascinated. That that would be fascinating to find out. But maybe that's maybe that's someone we should look up for uh, um, a podcast episode at some point as someone to talk about. Yeah, an that, expert that, on uh, jubilee. That that that, uh, that experience. But yeah, I mean that 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 concept of a of a jubilee and that you know people who had sold themselves into slavery would be set free at that year. Right. Um, those are the two elements that I re- that I recall. I mean, oh well, and then there and then there's the question of, um, you know, the Sabbath of years, um, where I think every seventh year they were supposed to leave the land fallow and eat eat off of the fruit of the previous years, and God promised right. to make it um, abundant enough that they could do so. Um, yeah, which to some degree would hark back to uh, to Joseph in Egypt, I suppose. That's right. But. Um, yeah, yeah, That's and right. to what degree any of that ever happened? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, uh, is that part of what the prophets were accusing the Israelites of? You know, at, at the advent of the exiles, that they had never, they had this rule. I mean, that's you know, that's that's what the episode with King Josiah finding the book of the law in the temple, and it's like, oh, hey, what's this? <laughs> Apparently, we haven't yeah. been referring to it recently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really, it's about time. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah it's, it's a poignant episode where, you know, the priest comes, tells the king, hey, I found this. And the king's like, well, come read it to me. And uh, I guess, it's, you know, the picture, I guess, is him in the throne room with however many other people in attendance listening to this. And the king just getting more and more disturbed and then finally tearing his garments and saying, we're in trouble, folks. Wow. We're in trouble, folks. We haven't been doing any of this stuff. We yeah. promised, apparently we promised to do this. Our ancestors promised to do this stuff and, and did none of it and taught us to do none of it. 
and didn't even and apparently did not pass it on as knowledge uh, well enough for it to even be remembered by the king much less the uh, the uh, underlings right um, yeah. That, and I feel I feel that that's a big part of it too. That um, uh, the the church's weakness in catechetics uh, over the last two or three decades. Uh, the church is not alone. The uh, uh, societies, cultures, um, uh, the American uh, political system in general, we're all we're all guilty of not having passed on from generation to generation. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, the values uh, that um, that are supposed to make this all work. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we thought that the values were a nice um, add-on, right. Uh, right? To make life uh, to make life better in some voluntary, ephemeral sense, and maybe get us to heaven. But while on earth, uh, just uh, just stick with the system, boys. Yeah, and uh, you know, and. Um, and well, so we yeah. haven't we haven't uh, we haven't uh, instilled uh, either the values, the, the 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 delights of the system, or the responsibilities of the system uh, to to young people. But they they have a they have a sense of responsibility very much, um, and um, they know that something's got to be uh, done. Um, but um, in the absence of uh, knowledge about um, the Constitution and and those things, it's so easy to to just uh, opt for uh, things like uh, Marxism, socialism, those kinds of things. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, and then the whole question of um, are are we passing anything down? I mean, the whole yeah. you know has has the transmission of of wisdom and of culture and of you know ways to live life you know how how far has that sunk how far has that broken in the name of in the name of correcting the sins of our fathers because by god our fathers were you know our our forefathers our ancestors were racist and sexist and 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 yeah. awful and needed to be rejected yeah um, yeah yeah and and then they themselves you know didn't transmit to us because the the process is going on for decades, if not centuries of, yeah, that, that things mm-hmm. are not getting passed. Wisdom is not getting passed down. Wisdom has been lost. And, and where is it going? Where are we going to find it again? Yeah. Yeah. And if, if we're not deeming our forefathers, uh, you know, that term used, uh, loosely and, uh, non-sexistly, uh, uh, if if we Four haven't bears, really, uh, <laughs> if we haven't uh, if we haven't uh, found workable wisdom from them, uh, there really is no reason to uh, keep up their statues or to uh, keep up things and process uh, and traditions and practices that right. honor them in any way. Yeah, the, of course, the only family, reading of history that we do is is to look at is to look at them and say is just scout, you know, skim the biography and look for, well, did they did they own slaves or did they, right. you know, or did they ever ever do something at any point that I could interpret as racist? And yes, they probably did. Go ahead, tear it down. Yeah, I mean, that's is is that all we've got? Is that is that the way things are going to be? I mean, is that how we're going to sort of 
cleanse and a sense of erase our memory of racism? Is that really going to work? Yeah, you just gave me the image of um, students in a like history class uh, saying to their professor, um, well, you know, just uh, tell us what's going to be uh, on the quiz. Uh, tell us what's going to be on the final yeah. in this history yeah. course, uh, because there's too much information and so much of it we don't really believe anyway. Just let yeah. us memorize yeah. the uh, the answers. Uh, uh, so so give us a 10 check up check off points. Yeah. And and then, so, and so that we can then sorry. flush them out the back of our head at the moment we're done with the exam. Well, that's that's right. Uh, and that's that's part of the sinister kind of uh, result, namely that um, it makes forgetting easier to do. Uh, but also uh, the fact that there's a 10 point uh, a checklist as a cheat sheet, um, you, you know exactly what those 10 those 10 questions are going to be. And they're all going to be the easy to remember and oversimplified labels like, uh, you know, was this person or was this event uh, racist, uh, sexist, Um, uh, you know, uh, some very easy labels can be applied uh, to mimic understanding. (laughs) <laughs> right. or to mimic, mimic the need or to An replace extremely crude approximation of understanding exactly yeah and so uh, it's it's like everybody's just uh, been passing the passing the test um and um and not thinking deeper and it, it i i guess i've seen that well I, uh, the first person i'd blame is myself to the degree that that i've been guilty of this during the um the uh, the quiet uh, quarantine periods and quarantine like periods, um, you know, we're not uh, we're not using this downtime to uh, um, uh, read up on some of the classic wisdom and uh, to uh, you know rethink about how to uh, how to see life and redevelop our relationship with uh, God. And uh, in fact, uh, the the governments have encouraged us to uh, avoid church. Oh yeah, and, yeah, and and to avoid uh, thereby, um, you know, the best the best uh, nudge to uh, to prayer and commun- and a sense yeah. of communion yeah. with God and others. Yeah. So, I guess there uh, must be people for whom this this period of pandemic has been quiet. I can't imagine. I mean, and I, I think it's fair mm-hmm. to to recognize that a lot of people. I mean, people who still have work in many cases are doing two people's or three people's jobs for you know their best approximation of three people's jobs. And then, you know, the people who are out of work, you know, how many of them, I mean, like me, are scrambling. People who are looking for a new job or, you know, this is, it's harder than it was. Yeah. Yeah, it's a full-time job in itself. It's it's amazing how much effort it takes, you know, very capable people as as expended on the job search. Yes. You want to talk about market inefficiencies, there's, there's one, but... You know, wow. Right. Well, that yeah, boy, that's a very good point. The uh, <laughs> uh, that, that when when it's all kind of left uh, to uh, to random uh, thought. Uh, uh, well, I mean, people uh, the people have such a you know, there's such a price, I guess, that the employers have, or at the very least, perceived to have. In I mean, of course, it, it's a self perpetuating cycle when it is this much effort to hire someone, and then it doesn't turn out well. Then they're like, right. well, I, be- I better I better turn the dial up and make sure I really hire someone perfect the next time because I don't want to go through this again. It's it's one yes. of those 
you know, destructive positive feedback loops in a way. And because secretly or not so secretly, the a lot of employers uh, know that they, they can't succeed in hiring somebody perfect. Uh, what they do is they uh, wind up just hiring uh, people for part-time or piecework or uh, freelance kind of work or contract work. Uh, and in this country, that means no benefits. Yeah. Uh, you know, this because there's no full-time work. Everybody's uh, shrinking their full-time staff. Yeah. Uh, except yeah. except for these, uh, you know, wonderful uh, heroes, uh, you know, these folks who do go in every day by subway and bus and clean the uh, clean the bathrooms in the Manhattan hospitals <laughs> that, that stay open and do marvelous work and and all of that. While the rest of Manhattan seems to be uh, dying as a kind of symbol of the world capital. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, yeah, that, that bothers me a lot as a former New Yorker. Yeah, and and, yeah. and you had to uh, avoid the uh, you had to avoid what would have been a very promising networking opportunity. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. based on uh, physical presence in New York. Yeah, yeah. There were there were definitely things that I would have hoped for there, and and to be in a different environment. I mean, you know, some of it is just that you know I'm I'm facing the fact that I'm trying to do things with my life that my childhood did not prepare me for in any way. Um, yeah. Gave me just enough. I, mean, I was talking to my father about this last night. It's just, yeah. you know, he's never he's never wanted a job that it took this much effort to get, and it's just, you know, he's he's from a different economy, a different you know, different frame of mind, and yeah. I, you know, they made the mistake perhaps of letting me read these books about uh, you know famous mathematicians of the past and and you know <laughs> aspire to you know contributing something to human knowledge, and then yeah. I just and I never wound up with. Yeah, yeah, and I just—it's like Saint Paul saying, "I don't know where to, you know, I don't know where I am at fault. I can't, I can't exonerate myself by any stretch. I don't know where I've made mistakes, and I don't, I can't, I can't reconstruct all the places where I knew better and didn't do better. But there's certainly a lot that I didn't get, and didn't, didn't realize I even needed to ask or could ask." about yeah. how I was going to go about attempting this, you know, incredibly challenging thing of contributing something with the gifts that I have to, you know, to extend human knowledge somewhere that it hadn't been before. Um, and again, because our economy uh, grows uh, more or less in a, in a kind of uh, random, unplanned way, uh, there, there weren't that many jobs growing up uh, as, as things got tougher and tighter. There weren't that many jobs growing up that would reward somebody who, who pursued deep thoughts, holistic thinking, um, seeing the connections in life, trying to offer something really uh, creative and imaginative uh, that, could, that could benefit people. Basically, we became a much more skills centric metrics centric um you know just uh you know just prove that you can um, do this for me in the next hour uh kind of economy no. rather than one mm -hmm. the cherished uh imagination and uh and, and all of those things we still need folks like that in every discipline out of the box thinkers out of the envelope thinkers and uh, they're not rewarded um uh, and uh, even if you join a field where where there's supposedly fertile ground for for creativity, like in academia, 
there's kind of an orthodoxy. Oftentimes, yeah. one has to uh, follow. Yeah. So the yeah. outside yeah, the even, box. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, those are values that our culture claims to um, to exalt, and yet it is. I mean, yeah. Is is it any easier to think big thoughts than it was in the '60s, or in the 1890s, or yeah? I, I, is, is it any you know? Is it any easier to innovate? Is anyone? Is it? Is it actually happening? I mean, we see more innovations because there are more people, right? But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's a that's a that's a really good question because um, I think one of the challenges ahead is going to be um, somehow reaching a, a balance between innovation and uh, conservation uh, in the. Um, somewhat in the conservative, the politically conservative sense of, uh, you know, don't go too far. Remember tradition. Remember what Chesterton called the democracy of the dead. Yeah. Namely, that, uh, you know, uh, don't let don't let the wisdom of the past uh, fade away when you just focus on uh, tomorrow's innovations. Yeah. Yeah. The idea uh, that. How do you balance that? Yeah. Well, and that's I mean, there's been a long a long warfare fought against the wisdom of the past. I mean, that's, you know, it goes back to at least the French Revolution, if not the Reformation of, you mm-hmm. know, of, of deliberately turning, you know, of bearing one's teeth and drawing sword and attacking tradition because tradition yeah. is bad. Um, tradition is bad. I mean, that's, that's, that's been, that's, you know, that's the name of the podcast, right? That's the whole yeah, that's second right. half of the second millennium was entirely about rejecting tradition. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 worth looking back and, and saying how what has that gotten us and what does it cost us? Yes, yeah, and uh, when we reject the tradition, um, we're we're losing um, the best of both sides of the tradition, uh, and of course it's multi sided, but we're losing both the the wisdom of the science and we're losing the wisdom of the uh, religion, um, the uh, uh, the the reason and the faith, uh, as, as uh, Catholicism would put it, right? No. Um, and uh, people are, you know, uh, even candidates are shouting out, uh, well, you know, just follow the scientists. But the scientists would be the first to tell you, hey, we're just learning this stuff as we go along. Right. Also, yeah, we're not saying we're not saying we don't want to be your leader. We want to um, be. Yeah. You're uh, hopefully. I mean, some everybody. <laughs> oh yeah, they're, they're definitely those people. Right. Uh, they're definitely those people who you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Jared Diamond comes to mind as as somebody who you know knows some science, and yet you know has has a fundamentally comes across as having a fundamentally unhumble attitude about you know he has the answer for every question and has never actually been wrong about everything <laughs> and i shouldn't you know necessarily single him out he's far from alone um and yet science can't work that way i mean science does not work that way you have to be you have to be humble enough to let reality teach you something and that's simply, amen yeah. yeah and i've been i've been teaching my students in writing uh, the uh, freshman writing class uh that um you know don't go into a, a, a your, your job as a communicator is to ultimately foster more and broader communi- communication and conversation. And on the way to doing that, 
you shouldn't enter conversations or interviews where you're not willing to learn something yourself because you're not really going to add value to uh, your own writing or to your future debates if you're not learning something new yeah. all the time. And yet uh, everything about our digital culture where you know, algorithms exclude other points of view, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. we're and just going to hear more of what we already think we know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the frightening yeah. thing, is that is that it's just, you know, literally everything that both political campaigns are saying could be completely false, and we'll just, you know, you'll just sort of spin off into whichever cocoon, you know, and, and it's playing off of our existing psychology. It's not like people in the 20s wouldn't, you know, pick up their favorite Republican or Democratic-oriented newspaper, but gosh, it's harder... I mean, it's it's so all encompassing now. Yes, yeah. it's, it's so hard to. Um, I mean, it's it's so easy to to forget to get out of that cocoon at all, or to be intimidated by trying to get out of the cocoon and and realizing that you know there's going to be a certain amount of psychological pain, you know, getting out of this yeah. cocoon. Even if even if I've come to the conclusion that I don't trust the cocoon that I'm in. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I mean, even if I approach it with that realization, I said, oh, "But do I want to go over there?" And then, and then slough through this whole, you know, trying to figure out whether these people that I don't even like, you know, at least I right, like these right. people in my cocoon, at least some of them. <laughs> that's why right. I'm in this. That's why I. That's why I fell into this cocoon in the first place. Right. <laughs> at least I agreed right. with some of them to start with. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's. It's. It is. It's. It's. It's not to be uh, underestimated, and it's. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, like I said, I, I went ahead and voted on Monday, and I just, gosh, yeah, I, I suppose I shouldn't go ahead and say who I voted for, but uh, it's, uh, it was, it was a very, you know, like decision of, gosh, I don't, I don't know that I trust either of these people. I don't, I don't know that I trust either yeah. any of these. I mean, certainly, you know, the, the candidate for president is is one thing, and then there's the entire rest of the ticket where, you know, progressively. My vote would would make more of a difference if it wasn't for the fact that you know I'm in I'm in a district here where there's like there there's no there was not a dem, a Democratic candidate for any local office. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, just that's... it's just crazy. I mean, there wasn't there yeah. wasn't a non there there wasn't a choice down the entire yeah. ballot. And and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a problem where um, by by not uh, uh, by not um, teaching our. Uh, uh, families, our next generations, what we believe in as individuals, because we want them to fit well into the broader milieu of the next generation of our culture. Um, we're actually weakening the whole culture because um, then our our progeny don't have the other side of the story with which to interact in conversation with the dominant perspective. And so, uh, uh, so the, the conversation isn't going to make us smarter. No. Uh, we're just, we're just playing along with the dominant themes and um, it's uh, uh, self-destructive. Uh, ultimately uh, we're, uh, we're not even giving ourselves a choice. Um uh, I, I don't. Uh, I don't think our politics uh, can can continue too much as a like a two party uh, system, where uh, 
where there aren't, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's a two-party system that still clings to basically one, one general philosophy. I mean, uh, uh, bigger is better and uh, let the government uh, keep spending um, yeah. money yeah. kind of because it has it's, to. It's amazing what the, for all the, the vicious infighting, yeah, there are still those, you know, common common principles that in many cases aren't aren't good principles. Yeah. Uh, They're almost the only things that hold us together. The uh, kind of desperate reliance on government. Yeah. I mean, we, 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 we shouldn't underestimate the good things. I mean, this is still this yeah. is still a country that's that's run by, you know, the rule of law compared to, you know, the the spectrum of human possibilities. This is still a much better place to be than China. <laughs> yeah, amen. <laughs> well, and, and many other places, but definitely, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that, that's a good point, and you're right. Uh, I do want to, I do want to focus on this pivotal point as the possible source of, a uh, possible source of hope. Um, you're reminding me that um, I think it was. Oh, it was. Uh, uh, it was some political pundit uh, uh, the other night who said that um, uh, at at this point in the game. Uh, where the, even the um, even the uh, candidates in their debates are giving us kind of dark imagery. I think Biden said, uh, you know, we're about to enter a dark winter, and um, and um, uh, Trump, despite his efforts to you know um, uh, lift our spirits and and point uh, point toward the uh, a brighter future, uh, he himself uh, you know talks about. Um, uh, 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 you know uh, uh, why uh, why uh, uh, we need him because there's so much uh, uh, anarchy and um, and uh, destructiveness uh, at our doorstep. Yeah. So both yeah. both candidates are giving us messages of real um, ultimate pessimism uh, in, in in that sense. And um, this, uh, in in that kind of uh, realm. You can almost understand um, the uh, the kinds of anarchy that uh, take place on on the streets of some cities, etc. You know, if 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 the wisdom of our forefathers has done nothing, and if the future does seem to be so so negative, yeah, uh, why, um, uh, why not just wipe the slate clean? Uh, you know, set fire to the cities. Yeah. Uh, forget about the uh, Constitution and therefore, of course, forget about uh, uh, constitutionalism or constructionism as represented by the Supreme Court. Why not yeah. just forget about all this stuff and, um, and, 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 and wipe the slate clean and go with the Bernie bros and, um, and try something new like socialism? Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. If, if only it was a new idea. Well, a good point. To them it is, uh, but uh, yes, history would tell us otherwise. And, um, and of course, uh, reason uh, and uh, full knowledge of the current state of affairs in the world would also tell us, uh, at the very least, a government that's asked to do everything and to give us a, a, a uniform minimum wage and to forgive our college loans and all of that is going to need, is going to need the Fed to... Uh, print 
even more than four trillion dollars at a shot. It's going to need to print fifteen, thirty trillion dollars at a shot. Right? Yeah, how the how how the <laughs> yes. how, how things are juggled to to maintain the money system in this you know post post gold standard post anything standard um, you know economy is its own fascinating. You know, it's yeah. I mean, money is held up by our own sort of psychological forces. That's that's kind yes, of it. everything. I think that's a good point. Almost everything seems to be um, being held up more by our psychological need to hold things up, rather than by any um, you know meaningful structures uh, or capabilities uh, that are holding it up. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a that's not going to be sustainable. Yeah, yeah. Well, and unfortunately, we're going to get to we're going to get to see the results of the experiment. Is 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 simply, I, you know, I, I don't see what forces are going to derail it prior to some sort of, you know, stagger, serious, serious stagger. You know, yeah. whether whether it's going to be an actual apocalypse or not. I mean, there's there's obviously going to be. I'm going to live through some sort of tough times in the next forty years. Um, right. I might, you know, I might die of cancer before I'm 60, and I might be, uh, I might skip it. And then again, you know, if, if I live to anything like my uh, my family's full, you know, span of longevity, and you know, make it to 90, that's well, that's 50 more years, and uh, yeah, that's there's that's plenty of time for for lots of things. I mean, I'll get to see whether the people with, uh, you know, on the on the climate change, you know, on the climate change is going to destroy the world uh, side of the argument. <laughs> yeah. Are going to are are going to turn out to have been right. Um, Fifty years yeah. from now should be enough time to you know most of the most of the people from you know the middle of the road climate change is bad on out to the fringe um, that that will that will take care of it. I'll at least get that much satisfaction, I guess. But yes, yeah. Um, and uh, the other thing that's um, oh, I I meant to uh, to add a second part to that story about um, the uh, uh, politics. Uh, so here's what, here's what was said by that pundit. Uh -huh. He said uh -huh. that uh, Republicans are um, being told um, at this point in the campaign, hey, fellas, uh, you know, the uh, uh, things really are kind of uh, dark and we really are at the precipice and this is the most consequential election <clears throat> in, in American history. So it's time to come home, even if you're a, a never Trumper or if you, uh, you know, have a, a legitimate uh, distaste for uh, how, uh, how our governance <clears throat> is going. Uh, it's time to come home uh, and uh, and at least uh, bar the worst that might be represented uh, by the uh, by the other side. Of course, the other side is saying the exact uh, same thing. Yeah. And then uh, earlier but in the week, this is, you know, even even if you were pro Trump, you should you should say he's done such awful things. He's such an awful person. You need to you need to come over to our side and not, exactly. uh, not involve yourself any further with this. Exactly. And, and in fact, that is very much a part of the key talking point to points of the of the Democratic uh, election. And one can understand it. Uh, and then uh, add to that the uh, religious dimension where a week or two ago I read something, it might have been by Archbishop Laurie, it was one of by it was something by one of the archbishops commenting on Pope Francis's new 
uh, encyclical, which might be something we, we want to uh, talk about. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, be- yeah, because um, he said uh, the message, the takeaway message from the Pope's encyclical that he gets is uh, these are not good times to go it alone. Mm. Um, in mm. other words, uh, now is a good time to, to stick with the church uh, despite uh, its flaws as a human institution. And what the Pope is saying is, um, uh, you know, let's not just think of our uh, brotherhood uh, of man uh, in, a, in even a local way or uh, even a, a national way. Um, let's think of a global uh, brotherhood of man uh, where, uh, you know, we're, for the first time in a long time, we're all facing the same problem, namely COVID. And we're also facing all the same other problems, like uh, the failure of all of our central banks impending and and other things. So um, I, I really liked the Pope's encyclical where he said, let's expand that concept of fraternity um, and that was the name of the uh, encyclical, right? Fratelli Tutti, all of our yeah. brothers. Yeah, all, all um, brothers. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and a little um, sad that it seems like we are we are getting we've we're, we're jettisoning jettisoning the idea of of the titles being in Latin. But uh, I guess that's just me, the classicist over here. Ah, uh, fair enough. No, I mean uh, I, 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 that was one of my concerns. Yeah, that uh, a very few of the the treatments of the encyclical, even the. Um, even the uh, even in the Catholic media, they didn't uh, mention the the Latin, the translation of the Latin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was neat that it was actually uh, from Fratres omnes or uh, yeah, uh-huh. right. Well, in this in this particular case, it was a quote straight from um, uh, something that Pope Fra- that the Saint Francis had written, mm-hmm. and uh, he was a master at seeing people as his brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, to to to, uh, to think of that in global terms, at a time when uh, we're moving much more uh, uh, na- uh, nationalistically, uh, as populists, as yes. people painted yeah. into their own corners uh, in their own uh, quarantined rooms, and not really feeling like they're part of of any greater communion, let's say. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, uh, the, the Pope is right on target, but even within the church, he's getting a lot of um, pushback uh, because, um, you know, uh, people think that um, he's, he's talking in some new age, uh, globalistic, uh, a politically globalistic um, realm. And, um, and uh, I also agree that a large part of our solution is not thinking globally. But thinking locally and thinking of preserving our own local communities and preserving the concept of, of a community. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, we have to reach some kind of happy medium, but I'll be darned if I know how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, humanity is a... Um is an, is an abstraction for all of us. It's it's people that yeah. we actually see and people that we actually interact with and that we, we abstract from there. Um, and that's right. all we have to work with is, is and, who, and who we've seen, who we've read about, and whose stories we've internalized. Thanks for listening to this episode of That's So Second Millennium. TSSM's audio producer is Morgan Burkhardt. 
Our theme music, Igneous Grok, was composed and performed by Vin Marquardt. For my co-host Bill Schmidt, I'm Paul Geesting. Until next time.